Hi everyone, I'm Claire. And I'm Becky. And welcome to another episode of Potway. So this is the podcast where we discuss all things musical, all theater, and today we'll be talking about The Lion King. Oh my god, I'm so excited. And if you're listening to our um, podcast before, you probably noticed that we are doing the intro different this time. <laughs> and that actually sounded more weird than I expected. What do you think, Becky? Oh, how many episodes do we have? Probably around like over 30, right? Over 30 for sure. Over 30 episodes and we've been doing it in pretty much the same way for every single one. I think it makes sense to have a little bit of like weirdness. But, yeah. But why weird. are we reversing it, Claire? Why are we doing the reversal? And that is because <laughs> Lion King is my favorite musical. So I am so excited to be the one, I guess, doing Becky's usual role today and be guiding us through and walking us through the whole musical today. I feel like it's usually my role to gush about every single musical, either by how much I love it or how much I hate it. And usually it's like some weird, obscure musical and I get to ramble about it for like however long we talk about it for. And now I get to be like the normal one. That is not as... (laughs) I feel like you have like the, you know how in a comedy act you have like the odd person so like you have the straight man and the odd man that mm-hmm. is like um wacky and then everybody else has like a deadpan reaction to it and that's what's funny about it I feel like that's a very similar interaction to what we usually have and we get to do a reversal so I want to see how things are like from your perspective when you endlessly gush about something and I get to react <laughs> okay okay well we'll see about that I don't I'm the type but maybe Lion King is an exception because it usually is yeah, you know what? I was actually thinking about starting this episode with the uh, with Circle of Life singing, but then I realized that if I, I okay, imagine imagine you click into this episode and then the first thing you hear is this, like the most horrible thing ever trying to mimic the Circle of Life harmonization. Like I would exit that episode and never come back. What are you talking about? That would make me a listener for life. Like, why on earth? Just you, probably. (laughs) No, I can assure you a lot of people are down to that. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe more singing will come in my way. Okay, so Lion King. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about this. If you're a normal human being, I'm pretty sure you know the story. But I guess... way harsh. (laughs) Sorry, maybe just me then. Anyway, so what was your experience with Lion King being like? All right, so my experience with Lion King has been thusly. I have watched and grew up with the Disney movie, and that is it. I didn't really have any other experience with it, such as going to see the musical on Broadway, West End, anywhere else. So I am pretty much a Disney movie purist. I've watched the movie many, many times. I watched the sequel, which I also really enjoyed. Did you watch Mm -hmm. the sequel? I did. And did you watch the one and a half? No, I did not. (laughs) That one was uh, a bit rough around the edges. I'm going to admit that. Okay. But the sequel and the original, obviously, I enjoyed. I wouldn't say they're my favorite Disney movies. I tended to gravitate a lot more towards the Disney princesses lines or the Mary Poppins stuff-esque. Um, but I still really, really enjoyed it. I think this is something that I probably watched many, many times, even if it's not my favorite. Like, I probably watched all the the classic Disney movies many times, and this is no exception. So I still really enjoy it. What was your favorite Disney movie? 
Oh, that's really hard. It really changed throughout the, my childhood too. So classically, I used to say Snow White all the time because my mom always said like, oh, Becky, you're more like Snow White. And my sister, Emma, she's more like Cinderella. So Wait, was there a reason behind this? Yeah. So first of all, I wanted to be a vet when I was really young and I always got along with animals really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. I was a vet assistant for a while. And the second reason is my hair is black and my skin is very, very pale. Mm-hmm. And my sister, um, she was born blonde. But currently, I'd say my favorite, if we're going with Disney in itself, maybe Mulan. Um, Mm. But if we're going with the Disney umbrella, then I would probably say Ratatouille, which is a Pixar movie. Okay, okay. That's a good one. How about you? I mean, I know your answer for your favorite Disney movie, but do you have a favorite (laughs) Disney princess? (laughs) It's funny because when you said that, oh, your mom said that you're Snow White and your sister Cinderella, I was like, well, you know what? In my case, I probably only have one choice. (laughs) And that's Mulan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is fine. I really, really like Mulan anyways. I don't really think that I'm much of a princess person. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mulan is probably the closest thing that I feel connected to in terms of like the princess storyline. That's fair enough. But Pixar movie, usually I really enjoy. Pixar movies are great all around. Did you see the most recent Disney movie, though? I didn't see it yet, but uh, it's in in Contro, I believe. Let me find out. Ooh, I heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. I heard it's very good, like excellent. Mm. And I'm really curious to watch it. I'm low-key showing myself that I'm not as up-to-date with my Disney knowledge, but... I have to say I've been a little bit jaded considering all the live action remakes. So even though I'm a Disney girl at heart or Disney adult, which is usually a pejorative term, but okay. The fact that they're ongoing, including for this one, by the way, for Lion King, the live action remake, horrific. The fact that they have that, it really makes me a little bit jaded towards the company. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree. I didn't even bother to watch the live action one for Lion King even though I love Lion King so, so much. You know how when we were kids, probably kids these days don't know, but we used to have like those video these, days. Ta- <laughs> these uh, videotapes and you have like a special machine where you have to put the videotape in it. Oh, you mean VCR? And- no, like it's like kind of like a rewinding machine and it will like help you rewind the whole tape. You didn't have it for it. your VCR? No. Oh. We have to buy like a separate one really yeah okay never mind then <laughs> i i maybe harmed a lot of my vhs t- in like tapes by doing that then because i always remember just plopping them back into the vcr and then hitting the rewind button all the way to the ah. beginning i i broke my um lion king videotape because i rewinded <gasps> too much i watched it way too many times to the point that i think one point the the videotape just broke And my parents were like, wow, how many times have you actually watched this movie? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, that's how much I love it. Yeah, even for the live musical, Mm -hmm. I watch it at least three to four times, I think. Which is incredible to me. Like, I know how expensive those tickets are. Mm -hmm. And spending like $300 to watch it four times, like that's exactly the kind of dedication a mega fan have. And I can 100% see what you are. Well, to be fair, I didn't pay for all these tickets by myself because a lot of times, like, my parents pay for it. But the most recent one, which is in Mm -hmm. 2019, yeah, I bought the tickets. I bought my mom's and my aunt's tickets, too, which was 
a little bit、um, pricey, but for what you can get, it's worth it. It might have been. And also to have that family time, like definitely a family-oriented musical, and to be able to surprise your parents or like your close love like loved ones like this, I think that's a really good experience to have. Yeah,、oh. I think everybody in my in my family already knows how passionate I am towards this, this <laughs> whole story. What was the connection? Like, do you have any reason, or is it just something you latched onto as a kid? That's a great question. I have no idea. I think it's just I really like the music and I really、mm-hmm. like the story. So I think it has more of an emotional connection with me. Whereas for a lot of other Disney movies, it just don't have that. Don't get me wrong; they're still good movies, but I just don't feel it at a personal level. I don't know why. Both of my parents are alive, by the way. So <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> So it's not that, but I, I just really like it. I think maybe it has something to do with the fact that I also really enjoy Hamlet. So maybe story that has a similar story arc or character development just speaks to me more.、Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm fairly new to this, so I think we should move in to the plot, right? That sounds good to me. It sounds about right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. All right, so Lion King opens up with very important day in the Pride Rock because Rafiki, he's like kind of like a shaman-ish figure, I guess, and he was there presenting all the other animals with their newborn prince Simba, who is the son of the King Mufasa. And we then see Scar, which is Mufasa's brother, and he's always kind of wanted to take his place as king. So we see him talking to himself in a cave. He was later visited by Mufasa and questioned like why he didn't he show up to the ceremony today? So from these few brief scenes that we get to see how Scar is definitely planning on doing something evil and Mufasa is defending his son as the heir to the throne. And then we move on to a couple years later where Simba kind of grows into a young cub. Mufasa shows Simba the Pride Lands from the top of the Pride Rock, and he explains that everything exists in a delicate balance known as the Circle of Life. And Simba is very curious to explore everything that he will one day rule, but then Mufasa kind of warns him not to stray beyond the boundaries of the Pride Lands. Simba later goes to visit the Uncle Scar, and Scar just happened to casually mention. An elephant graveyard that is definitely beyond the Pride Land boundary, and that sparks Simba's interest. But he is obviously forbidden to go there. But he still wants to explore, so he asks his best friend, which is a female cub named Nala, to come with him to the elephant graveyard. They got the permission to go out by lying to their mothers about where they're going, and the permission was granted to them under the condition that Zazu, which is a Bird, and I guess is sort of like a Mufasa's advisor and Simba's guardian would go with them. But as soon as they leave the Pride Rock, they manage to lose Zazu, and they begin to explore the graveyard by themselves. They found out that they were actually hyenas living there, and they're threatening to eat them. So Zazu caught up with、uh, the cubs and realized that the danger they're in. So he flew to Mufasa, and Mufasa came into the rescue. And scares off the hyenas. He was very disappointed and angry at Simba's disobedience. And then he goes on to tell Simba about the great kings of the past and how they watch over everything from the stars. 
So back at the elephant graveyard, we found out that Scar is actually secretly plotting with the hyenas with a plan to kill Mufasa and Simba so that he could become the king. He raises an army of hyenas and promising that they would never have to go hungry again if they support him. And his plan was actually quite clever. So his plan was to take Simba to a gorge and he just kind of left him there. Scar later has hyenas to kind of start a stampede. And he runs to tell Mufasa that Simba is in danger. So he has to jump in there and manage to save Simba. But then as Mufasa tries to escape, Scar throws him off the cliff and Mufasa dies there. Can I just say though, whenever this scene happens, I always like cry so much because I, my favorite character is definitely Mufasa. Like even watching it in the theater, like I know this is going to happen because I'm pretty sure everybody knows the story by heart by now. But it just when it happens, I'm always so sad. Anyways, it's, very, it's just very heartbreaking. So after this, Scar convinced Simba that the death of Mufasa was his fault and he tells Simba to run away. But as Simba leaves, Scar orders the hyenas to kill him. But Simba managed to escape. And the hyenas um, just managed to tell Scar that he's dead. By And they thought that it wouldn't really do much harm if they lied to him. Did you watch Hercules? I did not. Why? Okay, this seems to be something that like a lot of protagonists in Disney were able to escape through the same method. So like the main villain has henchmen mm-hmm. and the henchmen are kind of like lousy at their job and they don't fulfill to the fullest extent. And that's exactly how the villain, uh, sorry, how the protagonist grew to adulthood and managed to recuperate the strength that they need to defeat the villain. So I feel like Disney villains need to do a better job choosing their henchmen. That's also true. The other question I had was like, why did Scar not just finish him off right there and then? Because they were alone, right? Maybe he was wondering, like, or worrying one of the stampede animals will blabber on and it will get revealed somehow. But he's also the only lion left in the entire pride, I believe. So by default, he will be king regardless, even Mm. if he's corrupt, which they already know he is during his reign. So yeah, a bit of a plot hole, but it makes sense. (laughs) Just let it move on. (laughs) Simba needs to have a reason to survive. Exactly. But anyways, so after this, Scar becomes the king and uh, Simba was kind of wandering out in the desert where he got rescued by Timon and Pumbaa. The duo kind of take Simba into their jungle home and show him their way of living and dieting. So Simba stays with them to grow into adulthood. And so so many years pass by and under Scar's rule, the circle of life is out of balance and a drought has hit. And the hyenas are complaining about the lack of food, but Scar is only concerned with himself and why he is not loved, which honestly... I actually feel kind of bad for him. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get into more details later, but I I feel like he's a much more empathy-worthy villain compared to a lot of villains who are just doing bad things because the plot tells them to do so. So Nala, she came in to confront Scar about the, the fact that they're all starving. And for some weird reason, Scar thinks that he needs to find himself a queen and thinking that Nala is a very suitable mate. He made his advances, but Nala refused and she left the Pride Lands to find help. So back in the jungle, 
Timon and Pumbaa wants to sleep, but Simba is unable to sleep. So he leaves and Timon and Pumbaa kind of follows him. And as Simba leaps across a moving river and he challenges Timon to do the same, he falls in and calls for Simba's help. But Simba is gone into a shock kind of because he has this flashback of Mufasa's death. And Timon falls from the branch and Simba managed to snap out of the flashback just in time to rescue his friend. And Simba is pretty ashamed that Timon nearly died because of him. So the three friends settled to sleep and they started talking about the stars. And Simba recalls Mufasa's words about how the kings are watching over them from the sky. But his friends kind of just laugh at the notion of dead kings watching over them. So Simba leaves and expressing his loneliness, which somehow managed to send a message to Rafiki. Um, who heard the song on the wind and he realized that Simba is still alive. So in the jungle, Pumbaa got hunted down by a lioness and Simba, while trying to protect him, realized the lioness was Nala. And they're very happy to find out that each other is still alive and reunited for a brief moment. Then Nala asked Simba to come back as he is the rightful king for the Pride Lands, but Simba still feels responsible for what happened and he refused to return home. So he later meets up with Rafiki, who tells him that his father never actually left and that Mufasa still lives in his heart. So Mufasa's spirit then magically appears in the sky and tells him to remember who he is and that Simba must take his place in the circle of life. So with this courage, Simba heads home to meet up with Nala, Timon, and Pumbaa, and after seeing what Pryland has become, Simba confronts Scar at the Pry Rock. Sorry, just for one moment, I was like, mm. why is there all the places called Pride something, Pride something? But I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, why is everything rock something? Because like, when I, whenever they said Pride Rock, I was like, oh, Mount Rock. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, like-, like with School of Rock. Yeah, it's, it's not that kind of rock. But anyways. No, no it's not. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Scar forces a confession of murder from Simba and he corners him. And believing that he has won, Scar reveals that he actually was the one who killed Mufasa. And which is a pretty stupid move because Simba got super furious and he recovers and forces Scar to reveal the truth to everybody else. And his friends um, fight the hyenas while Simba battles Scar to the top of the rock. Scar begs for his life and blames the hyenas for everything that happened. So Simba lets him leave out of mercy, but then Scar decided to attack again. And while Simba is blocking the attack, Scar falls off the cliff and the hyenas who heard Scar's betrayal and they're still starving, I guess, decide to kill him and eat him. So after the battle is won, uh, Simba's friends come forward and they all acknowledge Simba as the rightful king. And the Pralins recover and the animals gather in celebration as uh, Rafiki presents Simba and Nala's newborn baby and thus continuing the circle of life. So I guess we can continue to the song analysis. Yeah, that sounds right by me. So the first song, oh my god, the classic song. I mean, <laughs> honestly, every song in this musical is so, so classic. But I think this one is iconic because it is the circle of life. And I'm just going to say that I love this song so much. Like, I sing this song countless times during road trips. 
And, and I'm just so excited to be able to talk about this one because even though as a kid, I had no idea what it was talking about. And I think to this day, I still can't really understand, obviously, because it's not English. I think it's a language called Zulu, mm-hmm. where it was spoken in like South Africa. So even though I have no idea what the lyrics is about or how to pronounce them correctly, but mm-hmm. I still has so much fun singing to the song. And it's just what a great song. It's just like an international anthem, I think. For my generation, like if you sing the song in the public, nobody would not know what it is. So that just is how classic it is. And I really, really like the lighting because on the stage, and I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if it's the same in the film, but for the musical at the start, the color shifts from the blue to a more of a red or orange. Yeah. So that sort of symbolizes like the night to day. And this represents the birth of Simba, right? Because he's supposed to be the light that shines through the darkness in the play. But at the end, the lighting shifts the opposite way. So like day to night. And I think it's just sort of like foreshadowing the more of a darker part that is to come later in the play. So just so carefully crafted in every shift in the lightning the choreography the voice or anything else just represents something and I just absolutely love it and not to mention the vocal is just super strong in this one have you seen those videos where like the cast of Lion King just randomly starts singing on the airplane or in an airport I think that's just to you. I don't know how many people look for the Castle Lion King singing. Really? They're, yeah. Those are has so many, 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 many views on YouTube. And they're absolutely <laughs> so talented. Like the whole, entire cast, just they're really, really, really good. And without music, really, they like, don't really need any instrument. They can just start off singing and harmonizing. It's just beautiful. Anyways, Aww. I think I talked too much. So what do you think about the song? You by no means talk too much. I <laughs> am welcoming it as such a refreshing breath of fresh air. Um, I love it. But for me, uh, I'd say right off the bat, the first thing I noticed is how utterly impressive the costuming and makeup is on the actors and also the impeccable stage design. So this was my first time watching The Lion King, the musical. Obviously, I'm very familiar with the Disney movie, but for the musical, this was my first. And as soon as they busted out the Pride Rock, from the stage, my mouth literally like hit the floor because it was so impressive to look at and everything around the production is awe-inspiring. In terms of the song itself though, it's, as you said, such an amazing opener. Usually shows give you the status quo for the protagonist, but this one gives you the status quo for the entire film, the entire world and universe they have. So it's like, wow, hot damn, slow down a second. Um, You just burst my entire bubble and I have a new perspective on life. So I really like that about it. And also, if you put even that aside... I feel like there are very few things as iconic as the opening number. Like you said, if you were to shout it somewhere, probably people within our generation, I would say younger and older people too, would be able to pick up on it and join you. And the fact that it is as iconic as it is while being in a foreign language, I think it's really impressive and talk about the strength of the number. I Mm -hmm. say it's not easy to cross cultural barrier like this. But it managed to do it really successfully and also it helped to ground the setting for the musical. So a lot of the musical is going to um, inject foreign languages into it. I am assuming it's Zulu specifically. And the fact that it's still the most 
highly grossing uh, musical of all time, the third uh, longest running musical. And it has so much foreign language in, in it and so much of culture that is foreign to um, most of the people who watch it. I think that really speaks about how strong the musical must be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then we move on to Grassland Chance. Do you have anything to say about this one? I, I tend to like chants anything. I feel like across musicals we discuss, when they come to something that is a bit more military-like or a bit more chant-like, I would tend to like it. And also the song leans, leans towards complexity with several melodies harmonizing together, which again is something that has my name all over it and not necessarily your name all over it. So it's something that kind of enhanced my liking of the song. Mm-hmm. And based on that alone... I would like it, but it also continues with the same line of as the circle of life. So because it feels really safe and whimsical in the melody that it has and with the acting on the stage and also with the foreign language in it, I feel like it's very cohesive and you don't have a whiplash of one genre to the next, which a lot of musical elements will have. Um, And I do like that it does the childhood portion really well. So the reason why it's so happy and whimsical is because this is when Simba was happy and whimsical and Mm -hmm. enjoying his childhood. So it reflects how he is in his stage of life right now. So I think that's very smart. And I also really enjoy the dancing portion of the grasslands. It reminded me of the mushroom dance from the original Fantasia Um, Or even the flower from the dance of the reed flute within Fantasia. I know you haven't seen it. (laughs) You have to watch it, though. It's absolutely amazing. Everybody should see it. And I think I'll probably engineer for us to cover it on the podcast one day to make sure you do. But um, yeah, so I love the dancing here. And I think this is something that I'll just say over and over again for the rest of the podcast episode. The costuming is just so impressive. So in this one, you get introduced to several more characters. So you get introduced to Zazu, for example, and they gave him a bowler hat or derby if you're in America, I believe, um, because it represents somebody who's really stuffy, a lot of like upper class gentlemen in England will have it in like the 18th century or whatever Victorian time and the fact that they're able to communicate so much of Zazu's personality through that hat I think that's really really clever (laughs) and I also really like that they gave Scar a cane or staff because I think both of these are associated with both frailty and also wisdom so if you have a cane it's more of a frailty in terms of the staff you would see a lot of Disney villains have staff so like Jafar and Maleficent and I think um, both of them are villains that exert their power both through magic but also through wisdom and less brute force like Gaston Mm -hmm. for example so I feel like just giving him that characteristic characteristic or that prop it communicates so much about his character already and I think they did a really clever job with the costume design for these two in particular and last thing I have as a note for here, the actress for Rafiki was giving me everything. She channeled Rafiki's oddities so well, but then like in a second after she has like a batch of crazy like oddity something she does on stage, <laughs> she can just put a serious face and go right to it and be very convincing. I was like, how can you just like 
flick a switch like that and go from one personality to another um I really like that and she given like incredible performance throughout the entire thing all right so the next song is the morning report but I actually have nothing to say about this one again because I never really seen it live I believe it was cut starting 2010 so I listened to the soundtrack the Mm -hmm. music was just okay but it kind of continues with that vibe but um what do you think yeah, I also listened to it in the soundtrack because I haven't seen it in what we've seen. I'm so glad they cut it. I listened yeah. to it on Spotify and I thought it was just so dreadfully childish with not much to offer to adults in the audience, which obviously it's going to be mm. a family, it's going to be adults and it's going to be children. So suffice it to say, I did not enjoy this one at all. And also the whiplash it would give song-wise of going between such a child-focused number to the lioness's hunt and back to something that is more childish with I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And before the song that preceded it with uh, the Grassland Chance, it just going back and forth from childish to non-childish. And it's not the tone of the, the musical that should have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very glad they cut it. Okay. Well, good to know that we both agree is a good choice. Okay. So the next one is The Lioness Hunt. I'll let you go first. Okay. So I think the song itself is really nice. It does feel a little bit disjointed narrative wise to me at least. And I just think it doesn't relate to the main plot all that much. Like, yeah, it has a good vibe of seeing what everybody in their pride um, is up to during the day and it gives you a bit more of a glimpse towards their world rather than just towards narrative but I think this is something that is um, the story will suffer from this is one of my critiques for the final thing I wish they put a little bit more focus on the story and even though I think the song is lovely I wish they made it more relevant to the story because I'm missing it personally I feel really bad saying it, but the kids acting is rough. It definitely took me out of the experience a little bit. And I'm glad the kid is gone after the first (laughs) act. (laughs) What do you think, though? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it can flow a little bit better. But just because right after Circle of Life, like usually the songs, not counting the morning report, but the chants and the line is how they're less important in terms of the narrative value. And I like how we're visually presented with a lot of things happening in the Pride Lands, but it just feels like it can we can move on, you know? Like we can get to the point, we can get to Simba right away already. So mm-hmm. that's not really a critique, but just, I guess, a comment. I would never really say that it. I would definitely cut it or anything. I think it's still beautiful to see, but maybe it will act more as um like a nice middle, you know, like the intermission or like the transition number where you don't really have a lot of singing or a narrative value, but it's just there to be visually impressive kind of. I think it would work really well with intermission because a huge struggle that they have after Scar rises to power is mm. the inability to find food and showing them trying to hunt is actually narratively sound in that Mm. interval that's a actually a pretty good idea but yeah um do you like it musically i think it sounds really nice like honestly a lot of the songs in this musical is just like i have no idea what they're talking about but i like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can relate to that (laughs) yeah but i wonder though like how accurate it is like the south african music for example hmm 
because for a person who has absolutely no knowledge, especially musical knowledge of um, the South African culture, I have no idea if this is like a good representation of what they have in terms of the instrument or the elements. But mm-hmm. I would love an expert opinion or somebody who is from that culture to comment on it. I'm yeah. just not qualified to do that. That'll be great. I do believe that one of the um, musical directors here is from South Africa. Okay. Uh, but I know absolutely nothing about South African music, so don't take my word on it. Okay, so after the Linus Hunt, the next song is I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And I think we probably have a bit more to say about this one because it is also featured in the original film. Even though mm-hmm. I have to say, though, this used to be my least favorite song oh. of the entire film because it feels like it's telling me that he can't wait for his dad die so that he could become king what a horrible thing for a kid to say but then i guess on the second thought simba probably didn't really think all that much yeah but kids just, are dumb yeah kids <laughs> are dumb but even when i was a kid and i was watching it, i'm like that means your dad is going to die don't but that's you because get he it saw his dad die within like 20 like 10 minutes after this like it will be very heightened for you knowing that his dad is about to die no, but like even not knowing that, it's like, oh, you, one day you're going to take over my place because I'm going to die and you're going to be the king. And then the next thing, his son goes running around and be like, I can't wait to be king. It's mm-hmm. like, what does that even mean? Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I have exactly the same kind of complaint of okay. a song that I hate hate or like the least I suppose within the entire music uh, movie and then in here I mind a lot less so I can totally relate to where you're coming from personally I would say I really enjoyed a song in the movie and the dynamics between the kids and Zazu is also something that I always enjoyed mm-hmm. so the kind of like exasperated and begrudging adult figure can be really super interesting or funny in moderation (laughs) which I think is achieved here um and also I would say the kid portion of it of having so much power and having so much freedom and just bossing the adults around if you're listening to it while you are a child it can be so much fun and it can be so I don't know, validating <laughs> because <laughs> you feel like they're speaking your language. So I could see why a kid might enjoy it. Not you. I suppose you're a very mature kid. But um, I would say in a musical, I enjoyed it a little bit less just because I wasn't a big fan of the child actors and the one we saw. But this number is still very, very fun. The number also feels very much bigger than life with the production. So it's very difficult if you remember the movie, to have the kind of like huge amount of animals come to one and go on top of each other when they have the climax of the song. Mm-hmm. And they managed to achieve something very similar to this. So it did feel very grand and larger than life. And I think one standout costume that I had for this was the giraffes. The giraffes were actually humongous. And you obviously had people operating underneath the costume and they had to somehow operate all that length for the giraffe that they had um so that was really impressive I was like wow how do you do that that's so like I can't imagine doing that (laughs) so I really enjoyed that aspect for sure okay okay yeah it was really imaginative um and I don't think at least from more modern musical I've seen 
since the Lion King was introduced, I'd never seen anybody recapture it quite the same way. Mm. And even with the circle of life, so obviously the giraffes are really impressive here. In the circle of life, when they brought up the elephant, mm. I was really, really floored and impressed by how humongous the elephant is. And they still managed to make the elephant like spring out of the stage somehow. Yeah. So I got to say that was a really positive impression that the, the, the musical first set on me. Okay. So the next song is Chow Down. Chow Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is the song where the hyenas, like, I guess, started to threaten Simba. And I just wanted to say that I actually really like hyenas as animals. So it's so sad that they're described as the creepy villains here. Because as a kid, I was absolutely terrified of the scene or I guess whenever there's hyenas in the in the movie I'm like oh my god these people or this animal looks so creepy and I started watching like all these like animal documentaries and I'm like oh hyenas is actually quite likable I guess to me at least um as the song itself the musical like element of it I'm okay like it's not the best especially when we have a lot of very very strong numbers from this musical like it didn't really stand out to me but I just like how villain-ish that feels yeah I gotta say I was never scared of the hyenas as a kid but when I saw a close-up look of how the masks they have in front of them looks like I literally was like oh my god that's actually kind of scary. So if you have a really good view to the stage, I could see a child being a little bit agitated, a little bit afraid of the costuming they had there because they did a really good job in terms of that. Um, the number itself, I wasn't very impressed with, except except the instrumental. So I feel like in the beginning, they had either an electric cello or some f- form of cello. And the energy that it brought was beautiful like I if I could have just the chow down version of the song with instrumental alone from the version watched I think I'd be very happy the scene around it and the lyrics I would say are very relevant or even harm is a little bit for me because I feel like they make the song a bit more silly but the instrumental version has great energy Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we move on to a very important song to me. Really? And that is They Live In You. I guess I can go first because I really like the song. This song just really has one of the best messages in it. And no matter what happens to someone, they will always, you know, just live on the inside of your heart. It's something message that I can resonate with so much. And the song used to always got to me, like even as a child, it just taught me to you know, to stay strong and to not be weak. And even though somebody might not be with you physically anymore, but they'll still be there emotionally with you as long as you remember them. And I think this is a great, great way um, to sort of introduce the grief and loss that Simba will experience later on. And because this comes from Mufasa so early on in the play, I feel like it would add even much more value when Simba finally realizes that Mufasa is still with him no matter what happened. 
And the reason why I also like this song a lot outside the musical element because it sounds really good is also how the song really helps to strengthen the relationship between Simba and Mufasa. Because without the song, his death wouldn't be as strong and powerful. I think so. For example, you know how Elsa and Anna's parents also died in Frozen, mm-hmm. but the impact there is way less powerful, in my opinion. And not just because that Simba has a much more personal connection to Mufasa's death because he thinks he caused it, but also the emotional connection between the characters was much more developed here, because you really can feel like the fact that. Simba is both physically and emotionally relies on Mufasa at this point. That he just got rescued by Mufasa, so physically he's definitely dependent on him. But emotionally, Mufasa, Mufasa is always there to forgive him, to bear with him, to love him, and to care about him. So, in so many different ways, that it shows you what sort of like a loving relationship they have as a parent and a child. And I think this adds a lot of. Power and impact when Mufasa dies later on, it just convinced me so so much about the grief that Simba will go through. Because there's a lot of, I guess, characters who lost their parents in Disney movies, and if you just show that, oh, his parent died, obviously is going to be very sad and powerful or whatever. But it wouldn't be the same as if with what they do here, which is to show you what their relationship looked like, and then now that relationship is no longer there and is taken away forever. I don't know. It just feels much more sad and much more emotional and personal later on. So I really, really like it here. How about you? So yeah, I think you didn't mention it, but I will mention it if it's still true.、Uh, this is my favorite song, which by extension means yours too. That's still correct, right? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course.、Uh, but my favorite is actually、really、the reprise. But anyways, yeah, I mean the one I've seen from the movie, but this definitely still carries it for me too.、Mm-hmm. I really like the father and son connection, like you said. I think this is really one of the more striking features of the film. So again, with the familial aspect. The film and the musical obviously have a lot more in terms of narrative and in terms of power struggle and what it means to be、um, taking your place in the world. But the fa- father and son or familial relationship is something that almost everybody can relate to and is something that will strike with a lot of people. And that's exactly what happened here. And I think besides the fact that it is absolutely gorgeous to listen to. Um, I like that it has the chant connection when the plot connects to nature and animal kingdom, rather than the character focus song. So the fact that it is always in the background, I think, connects it to the character, the world that Simba will have around him, and the important portion of the world to Simba. So I think it's a good way to symbolize it. Whereas more character-driven moments or something that have no chants or not complex background music behind it. So it's a good distinguish to have both a very vocal main line of a song and also to have a relatively audible、um, chant behind it. So it's a combination、mm-hmm. of the both. So I did like that, and the way that they put the song here and then give it a reprise, I think it's really smart because it does establish that connection. It also establishes why Simba has such a revelatory moment later on. When it is a critical moment for Simba, why does still resonate with him so much? It's the 
importance of having specifically a music element there. So I think like there is the old adage of um, if uh, I don't remember how it goes exactly, but like if something is too emotional and you can't express it in words, you sing it. And then if you can sing it because it's too emotional, you dance it. And the fact that it is expressed through song in this moment, I think shows how how much the character is overcome by emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really strong for that. Yes, I'm like so happy that we have to sing favorite song for I this one. It rarely happens, but when it does, it's something that needs to be announced, shattered exactly. from the rooftops. Exactly, because usually we have very different tastes. But exactly. For Lion King, there's always an exception. The stars align. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So the next song is Be Prepared. And this song, in my opinion, is the mm-hmm. best Disney villain song there is ever is. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this one multiple times before when we talk about other musical. And I always mention this one and be like, hey, you should learn from Be Prepared because that is how you do a villain song. And we finally had the chance to talk about this. So I'm very, very excited. <laughs> He's just so believable and motivated and for being a lion he's incredibly human as well i personally love both the movie and the musical version but in this one i prefer the backup vocals to the animated version i also love the drumming during the hyenas part as well and aside from the musical standpoint but from a character standpoint scar is one of the very few disney villains who actually achieve his goal So aside from the fact that he accomplished what he wanted to do, which is to kill Mufasa and to be the king, his motivation is also something far more personal rather than just like um, the script says I'm the bad guy, so I'm bad type of thing. (laughs) The reason why I feel like I can feel for Scar to a certain extent is because his jealousy of Mufasa is something that we see throughout the entire story. And it is actually something that most people can relate to since sibling rivalry is something I guess people in real life also experience. And to that point, I think his motive isn't just about wanting to be the king. So it's not just about the power itself, but we can see that he didn't really care about ruling at all. Because later on, when the Pride Lands go into um, starvation and there's nothing to hunt and the drought comes, he didn't really care about it. And he's willing to let everybody die of starvation after he became the king, right? So ultimately, he probably doesn't really care about becoming the king itself, but proving that he was better than Mufasa. So I feel like the whole motivation behind his action was this internal struggle and his jealousy and competition versus Mufasa which is the main drive to cause him to do what he does so anyway lots of things can be said about Scar and um, how he's a very interesting villain and everything else and I think this song is just like a perfect combination to show his plan his charm and his evil side the evil spirits all together and the scene that comes with the song Be Prepared also is incredibly scary because he, you know, stood up high as the hyenas walk around in order, almost like a creepy army formation. Mm-hmm. And everything about the song is scary, but also charismatic in the same time. So I think it's just a very interesting and very charming blend 
of how Scar as a character can be both very scary and both very charming at the same time. So, what do you think? Um, I didn't read as much into Scar as you did. I think if you are searching for it, the evidence for Scar being jealous of Mufasa, I think that's a little bit more out in the open and craving the love that Mufasa has and the admiration from um, the rest of the animal kingdom. And in the musical, it's actually a lot more clear because they literally laid in the open, oh, Mufasa is really liked. I'm not as liked as Mufasa. Why don't they like me? And that's something that Scar concerned with himself a lot. So I think in the musical, they definitely put it a lot more plainly than in the movie. But you can definitely read into it in the movie as well if you're looking for it. Um, So you definitely have something in what you're saying with Scar having a little bit more development. In terms of Prepared as a Song, well, I do agree it's a very iconic song. And there's probably no song in the entire musical that's as campy and fun, to me at least, as this number. Um, In terms of Disney villain songs, I'd say it's probably either the second or third best after Hellfire. And that's a huge compliment, of course, because Disney has a lot of really great villain songs. I know you haven't watched The Hunchback of of Nardam. And yeah, if you did, right. you would realize, really? um, hopefully, but the villain there is very, very complex um, and very, very real life. Like they're like, he's generally scary. And the reason why is either second or third is I really like poor and fortunate souls a lot. So um, both of these have a lot in common. They're both very campy. They're both really fun. They both present the sibling to a ruler as an outcast living outside the kingdom so I do think they have a lot of similarities and commonalities and it's actually a strength because both of these are amazing songs and in terms of the set design I really like the parallel to Pride Rock with Scar's Lair because it's probably very intentional on Scar's end to make the entire scene look like Pride Rock and I feel like that's deliciously salty of him Um, Did you notice the parallel between them two? Because I was like, oh, that's so smart of them to do. I love that they did that. I know, right? Yeah. Um, So again, I was floored with the design. And I think the actor who played Scar really sold his performance well. I'd say um, in terms of the acting performance, I liked him and Rafiki, the actress who played Rafiki the most. But he had a lot more lines, obviously. He had a lot more narrative importance in the story. And it's really big shoes to fill from the movie and I feel like he still channeled it in the musical to the actor who played him so um, all around an amazing experience to um, watch for sure all right so moving on from be prepared the next two songs I guess we can combine them together which is the stampede and the Rafiki Mort. So do you have anything to say about these two? <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I have a lot more about the Stampede than Rafiki Morns, because I think Rafiki Morns is kind of brief and abstract. But for the Stampede, before the song um, started, so before the actual Stampede, um, Scar and Simba were kind of like strolling along and they had a puppet show which was adorable. I really think the puppet show that they had was a thing of beauty, especially with a cute little flute carrying the tune. It felt very whimsical and childish, except Simba was literally following a predator. Mm -hmm. So it's really strange to have the very last threads of childish childhood 
that you know are going to be severed immediately after. So it's really, really like, oh my God, I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it, but it's so beautiful to look at and so cohesively it, like enticing to see. So um, that one was something that was really memorable to me. In terms of the snippet itself, the creativity of it would make me buy the $300 ticket alone. <laughs> like imagine seeing this in person. I completely see why this is such a popular musical. It's just absolutely stunning. And I don't think the musical element is the focus in this one. Uh, the focus a lot more is the enhancement to the visual and theatrical parts. And then a standalone like musical number, I think. But it does its job as being the spice to everything that's happening really well. And I think it's interesting that in a musical where the music takes much more center stage, you'll have an experience like this. In terms of Rafiki Morin's, I would say the instrumental part, again, behind when Simba discovers Mufasa's body and when he runs away is absolutely chef kiss to me. And I find that a lot of the instrumental here is something that I took away from being very satisfied with. And as always, Rafiki's actress has an amazing voice. Like, she can really project. And I think a lot of the musical just carries on that. Yeah, agree. That you can really feel the pain in her voice. And I just love this so much because, again, even though you understand absolutely nothing, the music mm -hmm. itself, just by listening to the music, you can understand what's going on and the emotions and the feelings that the characters are going through. A hundred percent. How was seeing the stampede in person? It was interesting. It's actually very visually impressive. And I guess it depends the year or the productions that you're going to see. But um, so the most recent one, the 2019 one in Toronto, it was very, very well done. Like it really gives you the feeling of all the animals running and the sense of urgency and danger on, on stage. I really, really enjoy it. If I remember this correctly, the first time I watched it, so back in like maybe 10 years ago now, it wasn't so visually well done. So they definitely improved their technology. I'll, I'll give you that. So glad they did, because this is one of this was one of my favorite moments in the entire musical. It was stunning yeah. to see. Stunning. Yeah. And even the scene when um, Mufasa dies, like Scar kind of throws him off, like... I, when I was a kid, like we used to play this part so, so much. So we have like bunker bed and mm -hmm. because you have to like kind of climb around to get to the top side of the bed and, you know, so on and so forth. So we always like just as kids were like pretending to be Mufasa and be like, oh, save me. Oh and then the God. other person would like push you down or something. And you so, play that with your siblings? Yeah. Isn't That's that funny? <laughs> so interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. It's dark humor. All right. So after that, we comes to the act one closer, which is Hakuna Matata. I think needless to say, this is the one song like, honestly, everybody needs to know. Aside from Circle of Life, this is probably, I feel like these two songs represent Lion King as a whole story. So that's just how much um, of a classic this is. But I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. Um... I have conflicted feelings about this in the musical. So I love this, of course, in the movie. And it was probably the most played, this in a, a circle of life, like you said, most played one and the one that 
was a crowd pleaser for kids specifically. But I find it very interesting to close act one with Akuna Matata. I personally wouldn't have made this choice. I would have closed with Rafiki's more Rafiki Mourns. And even though Hakuna Matata, as I said, is always a crowd pleaser, it's fun and introduces everyone's favorite, which is Timon and Pumbaa. And I guess it leaves the kids with a good taste of like depression. Um, I just think it should have been the act two opener, especially since, spoiler alert, I don't think the act two opener is that strong. So I suppose personally it left me with a good taste too because the kid was gone after Hakuna Madonna <laughs> and it got someone who can sing an actor replace him and I really enjoyed Simba as a grown-up but it just is very dissonant so it just going from something that is so earth-shattering to Hakuna Matata I don't think it works there so I wouldn't have made this choice and in terms of the introduction of Timon and Pumbaa I'm really a bit confused on the costuming here so so far I really praise it to the gods and the bomb. But in here with Timon, they put in some kind of like Grinch looking green suit. And I thought the green was really distracting. They should have probably gone with brown. And with Pumbaa, they gave him some kind of like Ryuk from Death Note vibe with the hair and the like makeup. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to say for Timon, like, I think for the productions that comes later, um, the actor usually wears black. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. so much better because that was really strange. It was literally like a Grinch. And then yeah. coupled with Ryuk looking Pumbaa, it was like, okay, I really enjoyed your costuming so far, but this is a bit strange for me. But it just, uh, it's not like I hated Timon and Pumbaa because their costuming was odd. I just thought it was really funny because it reminded me so much of other franchises. Right. Well, what would you say would be a better act one closer as i said i think it were fiki morns should have been the act one closer i'm guessing that they didn't want to end act one in too much of a sad tone probably that's what i that's what i'm hypothesizing yeah. as well because i think since this is something that should be enjoyable for kids it makes sense to have it with an act uh one closer for hakuna matata, hakuna matata. But you can just show Simba escaping successfully right? and reaching a jungle. And you can maybe have like a cameo of Timon and Pumpa in the distance, but not meeting yet. So you know what's coming and you know that he's safe rather than have Hakuna Matata as the song. And I think okay. it will work a lot better because if you just get catch a glimpse of him entering the jungle and you see Timon and Pumbaa in the distance, and then you start Act Two with Hakuna Matata, it will flow a lot better. But then, because Hakuna Matata is so important to follow, like right after Mufasa's death, and usually Act Two they want to show that Simba's already grown up, right? I disagree in this sense, or at least I don't think it's as important because Simba grows up during the song. Hmm. It's just the way that I'm thinking is like, if you have an intermission between the Mufasa's death and Hakuna Matata, I feel like it takes away the fact that it's a model that they're trying to live with in, you know, all the, the aspect of the fact that it's supposed to be a carefree way of living and mm-hmm. that's what helping Simba to cope with the the pain and the agony and everything else but mm-hmm. that's probably just me 
I mean, for me, that's actually a point that I had later on. So okay. a big complaint that I have for the musical compared to the movie is that I see a lot more of the world that they live in, mm-hmm. but I get a lot less of the hero itself. So the protagonist, Simba. And I don't get to see really how he interacts with the people except for Mufasa. So you get mm-hmm. to see a little bit of how he interacts with Timon and Pumbaa. I don't think the relationship they have is as pronounced as it is in the movie personally at least and I didn't buy it as much and then you get to see a little bit more of him and Nala but again I wouldn't buy it as much as the movie except for can you feel the love tonight I think they did a better job here mm-hmm. so I do think that they're taking a lot of the characterization away from Simba in here and I don't think having this as act one closer rather than act two opener would make a whole lot of change Okay, that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. So we move on to Act 2. And yes. the first song, I don't even know if this counts as an Act 2 opener, but we have One by One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess the reason why I don't know if it does count as an Act 2 opener because technically it has nothing to do with the plot. They kind of mm-hmm. just start singing from the crowd as the audience returns from intermission, which I thought was pretty magical and is pretty personal. It makes you feel like you're kind of part of the gang <laughs> in, in some ways. And the fact that it's also one of those chants just kind of gives you the whole, I hope this doesn't come out as racist, but like more of like an African vibe, like it's a one big party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy that and the sharp contrast between the harmonization that they have here, which is like all beautiful and happy and everything compared to the madness of King's Gar, which is when everything goes into a drought and you see like no trees, no greens, no nothing. And that sharp contrast tells you where it was and how the Pride Lands is right now. So I do like that, but I don't, no, would you call this an act to opener? I would, and okay. that's another reason why I think Hakuna Matata should be the act to opener because one by one is nice to look at, but I think it's a little bit questionable as an opener. I do understand that they want to show the new status quo and how different it is from the first act in terms of Simba's growth and in terms of what's happening during like the Pride Rock area. But it's just not as memorable as the rest. And it makes it a little bit awkward of a flow for me from Act 1 to Act 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. So I guess we can move on to Madness of King Scar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about the second version that you watched. But when Scar forced Zazu to sing... In almost all the productions that I watch, like Zazu always sing Let It Go in here. Oh, no, I did not see it. In the <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, that's funny because he always sing Let It Go and Scar would be like, no, anything but that. And I thought <laughs> it was so funny because <laughs> it was so overplayed. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Up to this day, it's still Let It Go. Or at Listen, least it was. In the movie, it, he's singing It's a Small World After All. Is that right? I can't remember. 
But Even on Mistaken, that's true. And uh-huh. I hate that song. I understand oh. Scar completely. We had to sing it in choir. It's a very popular song for us to sing in choir. And okay. I had to just sing it over and over again. And I'm just like, oh my God, can you please <laughs> not? Please, please not. Okay, okay. Well, good that you share his pain, I guess. Yeah. And I like Let It, let it Go. So I wouldn't share his most recent pain. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But for this one, again, I think it just goes back to what I was saying about Scar earlier, because you can clearly see that he's becoming increasingly paranoid about, you know, comparison to Mufasa. And I can understand and appreciate the complexity that he has as a villain. Obviously, we don't really have much other insights as to why he has become who he is. But I think the song is a nice addition to add more character to Scar even though that is very dialogue heavy as well. So usually I don't really like a lot of dialogue songs. Mm-hmm. So I th- feel like compared to Be Prepared, this is definitely not not even close to my liking, but um, I can still appreciate it. For the Disney executives who may be listening to this, Claire, would you <laughs> like a prequel all about Scar? Why not? I actually feel like they have something similar. So I don't know if you know, but... They have something called the Lion King books. They have, I there's was not a familiar. book series called The Lion King Six New Adventures. And in the books, apparently there was also characters about like Mufasa's and Scar's parents. Oh. And Scar's real name was Taka instead of Scar, um, which I believe means want to want, like wanted or something. Which is interesting because that means that he wants to be king. And I think Mufasa means king. So very um, interesting symbolism there, I guess. Yeah, so there's a lot more characters in these books. I never read them. (laughs) I actually (laughs) just found out about these um, while I was prepping for this video. Oh, Sorry, for this episode. Yeah, I know. I feel so disqualified as a Lion King fan. No. So yeah, yeah, now I need to look for these. I'm sure that some of them don't live up to the hype. Like, <laughs> maybe they're amazing and you let me know and I should read them all, like, right away. But considering they are probably very not well-known and were produced for ultra fans that just will buy it because it has Lion King on it, they're probably mm-hmm. not the best of quality. That was my guess, too. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. If we decide to read it. <laughs> oh, I love that you're putting the asterisk there because I was like, wow, you're really committed to reading them, eh? And no, nah, <laughs> you aren't. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> or if anybody has read them, feel free to let us know what you think. <laughs> um, In terms of the madness of King Scar, I personally think that this was a little bit out of nowhere. So I do tend to like more disorganized song. But even for me, the song itself was a little bit all over the place too. And I don't, I do see the rationale of wanting Nala to have more explicit reason to go on her journey and for us to sympathize with her and have a little bit more focus on her to make her more of a grounded character. But it seems like they could have chosen any other reason to, like the pride itself is already struggling. There is no food and there is shortage of everything the lions need. So it makes sense to her, for her to go on an extradition expedition to look for somewhere that is habitable so we didn't need to have that and I don't Mm -hmm. think it was in the movies (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So after that, we have Shadowland.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it, but I actually really, really like the song. So、um, the melody that it has for part of the song is something that they had in the background for a lot of the Lion King,、um, the movie. And I love that they incorporated it into an actual song here. I like that Nala has her own journey and she has more of a realized character. Um, and especially when you give her such a nice song like this. But I wish we follow Simba more. Like all of the stuff that we are introduced to here, even though they're nice and they're very well done, they come in expense of our familiarity with Simba, or at least mine. I know you don't feel necessarily the same way, but I wish we had a bit more focus on Simba because. The first time we hear him have a solo, and the first time we hear, hear him have a significant amount of singing role since I just can't wait to be king is going to be in the next one. And we really should have had a lot more of that throughout the musical. So, even though I really, really enjoy、um, Shadowlands,、mm-hmm. I gotta say, I wish it was weaved better narrative wise. Yeah, I really like the song. I think it's a beautiful song.、Mm-hmm. And I love how the song is to the tune of This Land from the original movie. Yeah. Like it's, I think, one of the most emotional songs for me,、um, besides He Lives in You.、Mm-hmm. And the cast did a fantastic job. And every time I listen to the songs, I just get major goosebumps because it's just so different to what we have seen. From her in the movie, to the point I really appreciate having this very short solo for her because we do see her being very strong and very independent, and she's very determined as well. So,、mm-hmm. all these qualities from Nala I feel like make her a very much more interesting character than what we've seen from the movie. Because from the movie, I didn't really feel like she was the main love interest. By any chance, like we only saw Nala as a child before, and then the next time she shows up, it was, Can you feel the love tonight? And I didn't really, really buy their chemistry all that much. I 100%、um, agree. Yeah. So I feel like having the song really shows her character a lot better. So I enjoy that. But I also agree with what you said about Simba. I guess overall, if they have more opportunity to talk more about Simba, that would probably be better. But I just can't imagine. How they could possibly do that because for act two, like right now, we only have well, if you count one by one, too, I guess we only had cover three songs, and the next one is a Simba solo. So I don't know how we can possibly give him more. I don't think that one by one is necessary. Uh, if you move Hakuna Matata to the second act and then you have a follow up song. When Simba is introducing or reintroducing himself all grown up, maybe in his Hakuna Matata attitude, it will give you a very good、um, juxtapositioning between that kind of attitude that we see very, very short glimpses of in the musical as is versus what he will have later on in Endless Night. And I think it will be a lot more meaningful and it will make people understand what he's going through more. Okay, okay. That's actually a pretty good idea. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe they, <laughs> they made it this way because it's how the movie flows. And that's one of the things. Like, if you base a,、um, a musical based on a movie,、mm-hmm. then just nine out of ten, it always flows pretty much just like the movie. 
um, and I wish that they feel they have more liberty to make some changes here. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Like I'm gonna say it obviously, but we have seen three Disney adaptation from movies to musical. This one is by far the most successful one. And even though some of the other ones were okay, like Frozen, I liked the least, and then Aladdin, I liked um, the second best, I suppose. Um, some of the choices they made with Aladdin that were different, I was kind of curious about, like having him be really hung up on his mom and um, having his three friends. Mm -hmm. These are changes that were questionable. So I feel like if you do make changes from how the original flows, which they did here anyway, because they shifted the focus to be more holistic on the entirety of Pride Rock uh, and less on Simba, you have to do it very strategically and you have to do it in a very smart way. Right. So I guess we'll move on to Endless Night. And I'm just going to say that this is the one song I actually didn't really enjoy it as much. Because, <laughs> okay, good. Because to me, it just has a very questionable narrative. And mm -hmm. music-wise, is also not the strongest, I think. I think it's one of the original songs that they wrote for the musical, probably. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not in the film, but... I feel I hope this is a better song. This was a better song because Simba deserves a better song, mm -hmm. but it just isn't. So the song is about grieving Mufasa, which is a nice thing. But emotionally, I just don't think it flows very well with the stages of grief that Simba is going through. Because in the film, Simba does go through multiple stages of grief after Mufasa's death. And we saw that he was de denying that it happened at first. And then Scar showed up to tell him that it's all his fault, which caused him to run for his life out of fear and guilt. And when Nala confronts Simba about his absence, you can see that she forces him to deal with the grief and anger that he has been holding inside. And that anger is about losing his dad and more importantly, angers towards himself. So when Nala tells him that she's disappointed and Simba tells her that she started to act like his dad, now we kind of get closer to the real reason why Simba is mad at Nala. Because it's not really about her. It's about Mufasa. And it's because Mufasa's dead that he isn't there for Simba to be angry with. So instead that he just takes his anger out on Nala, who mm -hmm. at the moment reminds him of Mufasa. So I feel like this is pretty clear in the movie because right after that scene is the scene where Endless Night is supposed to happen, which is when Simba runs away and said, you said that you always be there for me, but you're not. And Simba is angry because his father has left him and in that moment his anger fades away and then we kind of sort of start seeing him dealing with stage three and four which is like bargaining and depression and ultimately acceptance right which is just right before the song he lives in your praise mm -hmm. so to me Simba at this point with the story is still in denial phase and he's been pushing away any thoughts or feelings about Mufasa up until the point that he reunites with Nala again. So technically, by having a song here where he can talk to Mufasa and he is already capable of facing his memories, it just doesn't flow as well as it does for me in the movie. Like, it should be 
anger, then depression, then he lives in you, reawakening moment. Instead of depression here, and then you go back to anger, and then depression again. Yeah, I、okay. can definitely see what you mean by that. I haven't actually thought about it in terms of the five stages of grief, and I do like that. I think I'll accept it into the narrative I have. My issue with it is this is Simba's one and only solo. Really, I mean, I just can't wait to be king. I wouldn't classify as a solo because he has a lot of other、um, characters that butt in, like Zazu, for example. So, this is. Really, Simba's one of one and only solo, and I don't see a lot of Simba's characterization peeking through. I just see、mm-hmm. what the narrative wants to push, and that bothers me a lot because not only does it have very little of Simba's original voice, I think this comes a little too late for me because we are probably two thirds of the way through the musical, and I. Didn't grow all that attached to Simba from watching the musical itself. Like if I didn't have the prior association of Simba with his movie character, I don't think I would care about him nearly as much. And this is something that is so important to establish in a, any any kind of like a feature that you have. So、mm-hmm. whether it's a musical, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, it's really important to have that voice to know who that person is or who the character is. To know their motivations, to have a sense of personality that comes with them, and also to hear their internal monologues, and this is not satisfactory to me. And the song itself is also really quite forgettable. I think、mm-hmm. it is by no means bad. I don't think the entire musical has like a really bad song in it. But when everything around you is really good, a forgettable song would stick out still. So. All of that compounded together made it a bit of a miss for me. Oh, definitely, it's not a deal breaker for sure, but it just you know it would be a nice to have. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So then we move on to "Can You Feel the Love Tonight."、Mm-hmm. It's a fun to sing along song. I personally don't really buy their romance, not in the film and not in the musical, because. They just have so little romantic connection developed prior to the song that it just makes me see them more like partners or friends rather than romantic partners. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. This has been my least favorite song in the original movie. So the one we alluded to for yours is "I Just Can't Wait to Be King." For me, it's this one. I just find it super cheesy, and not to personally attack a legend. Who will accomplish more than I can ever dream of? But honestly, I feel like Elton John fell and broke his talent with this one because it's always been such a bottom of the barrel for me. And I tend to really like Disney duets, but this was a huge miss. That being said, I do enjoy it a lot more in this in the, in the musical. It just works so much better. Not only is it memorable, and after having songs that are a little bit lackluster and all over the place, this is something that we needed. But I could see the chemistry better when it's humans acting as lions than with the lions there. Not only because we know Nala a bit better. Because the story gave her more importance, but also because I think the actors have more chemistry than their animated counterparts. So even though this is a song that I never liked, I think I still welcomed it quite a bit in、mm-hmm. the musical. 
Okay, okay. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like in terms of the Lion couples, um, Lion King 2 does a better job. Definitely. 100%. I love yeah. Lion King 2. And I think um, Kovu and um, Kiara were so like, cute. Had so much, yeah. they're, they're so cute. They had so much chemistry. I don't know what the um, song was called in Dupendi or something along those lines where they went on their like, like I don't know ideal place for them to be who they are that was so cute yeah um, so yeah liked it a lot better <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they never make like the Lion King 2 musical but okay as we discussed musical sequels not the best <laughs> oh yeah I was gonna give Lion King like an exception but okay it could be an exception it could very well be it could it could all right so Moving on, we are, um, we're moving on to my favorite, favorite, favorite song, which <laughs> is He Lives in You Reprise. And I just cannot tell you how much I love this song. I feel like so many people often forget like a very strong aspect of Lion King is the acceptance of death of loved ones and moving on with it. And this is the song where it just reminded me of this message when I saw it on um like honestly anywhere like Toronto like mus- musical theaters anywhere else even just on YouTube sometime I just reminded how good the Lion King is just chills and I saw this obviously in, in Toronto like two years ago right and the stage design was absolutely beautiful and very breathtaking like you can see Simba like wanders along under the starry sky like it's just the the fact that they're able to make this guy looks like so many stars with this dark navy blue it's just so pretty and um Mufasa's image was slowly formed by all the stars in this guy and then they kind of started talking to him it's just so beautiful seriously the whole aspect like not just the visual but like the music the emotion the message everything about the song is just beautiful and Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it I honestly have no other ways to say how much I love the song, like, but it really is my favorite. <laughs> but um, how about you? I mean, as we know, it's already my favorite. I feel like I yeah. said the yes. bulk of what I had to say when we first encountered the song. I don't understand why they don't put a reprise next to this um, because they should. It's exactly the same, but <laughs> it's a really magical moment, like you said. The only thing that I have to say that I'm really glad they kept that I didn't already say before is I was happy to see that Rafiki did the head boop thing (laughs) with the staff that he had to Simba it's something that I always loved and my siblings always loved watching and it's it's a riot to see okay so moving on I think the the next two songs are like pretty quickly (laughs) yeah I don't have much to say about either of them to be honest (laughs) okay okay so we have Simba confronts Scar which I also have nothing much to say to be honest it's just cool. kind of like a fighting scene it's instrumental too right yeah yeah <laughs> which is why I have nothing to say exactly really. and then at the very end um after everything is settled we have circle of library reprise as the finale so I like 
in the finale the use of guitar in the background for the song compared mm-hmm. to the film version because it feels like the rain to me and I guess in the film you can visually see that it was raining but in the musical obviously it was hard to to actually make it rain on stage so I like how they have an instrumental symbolization here um, which sort of just symbolizes rebirth and a, a new beginning and what really got me every single time is also the emotion of um, acceptance for Simba. And you can see that he finally accepted his place as the king and he finally accepted Mufasa's death. And just whenever that time when he walks on the Pride Rock and you hear Mufasa saying, remember to him, mm-hmm. just unlike before, he doesn't appear anymore like visually and this goes with the statement that Mufasa lives in him and at the end that Simba is is able to accept that his father is is always going to be there with him both in spirit and in memory Um, and I like how I guess at the end even though it was a little bit random but we do also see his child with Nala and sort of like a refrain of circle of life to show that life goes on so to me, there's really no ending that can be, I guess, more perfect to the story because it's just wrapped up everything, like the plot, the character development, and the central message um, also incredibly well. So it's a pretty good finale for me, but um, because we do already know the song, so there's yeah. nothing new to say here <laughs> in I terms of the that. music. Yeah. I also noted that it was a really good way to wrap it, the way that it began, especially when you have the theme of a circle. So it was very clever. And also with the rebirth and uh, the death cycle, unfortunately, which is a big part of uh, The Lion King as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I did think that everything about it was very well done and very well crafted as a finale. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and dip into my final thoughts when I talk about this. So... I gotta say, I didn't anticipate how much I would like the Lion King musical. I thought it would be a rehash of the movie, and I already enjoyed the animated aspect of the movie so much, and I didn't anticipate how much I'll be blown away by everything about it, from costuming to stage design to the acting and even the music and a lot of part of it. Um, I thought it was incredibly well done. I genuinely thought that the people who executed the project cared about it. It wasn't just a money grab thing, which other Disney um, musicals I did think of. Um, So this wasn't a feeling that I had for it at all. And this was a trailblazer for all Disney musicals too. This is what proved to be such a lucrative market. And I wish they implemented it with such carefulness in every single franchise they decide to go into musical for. Um, the downside I would say is within the narration. So I harped about this that entire episode. I'm just going to summarize it, summarize it again. I think that while all the elements individually are really well together in order to show the elements that the musical wanted to highlight, they had to take some of the elements that were really important to me. And I was sad to see it. And that element is the characterization of Simba particularly they moved it to more of a holistic view of the entirety of the pride rock and the living there and they had to put it as an expanse of Simba's characterization and also Timon and Pumbaa I think they're way less important here than they are in the movie 
But there are also upsides to that because they gave Nala a lot more importance. I believe Nala's song is absolutely beautiful and an amazing addition. And I do think as a love interest who has several songs here, she should have a, bo- a bit more presence. It just, there is a way to cut some songs that are a little bit less relevant and balance it with songs that could enhance that element. And I think they just need to tweak it a tiny bit more to create a beautiful masterpiece um but even without it it's still gorgeous to look at and I think it's worth every penny if you're paying to see it what do you think what are your final thoughts yeah the fact that I already seen this so many times probably tell you a lot about just how much I love it I do agree there's always room for improvement and I guess for me personally one of the biggest thing was I hope that they have more of an actual song and less oh sorry (laughs) Add a pop up. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Um, I hope that they have more of an actual songs and less just pure instrumental music or chants. Like I do enjoy chants too, but it's just I wish there's more like actual songs too. Um, if they're making it into a musical, because the songs are so good that I just hope that we get more of these um and with what we get especially Simba's Mm -hmm. Endless Night it was just not really to the same quality or a level of all the other songs so I kind of hope that they would um have more of the same level of other songs so we have more better music but Yeah. yeah that's honestly the only thing that I feel like could be improved on everything else, obviously they're not perfect, perfect, but they're pretty close to perfect in my opinion. And I still really, really enjoy it. The music is great. I love the, I love the central theme and the message mm-hmm. of this entire story too. Um, I do, I can see where you're coming from in terms of like Simba's character and hope that we can have more time to understand Simba and everything. And I agree with you, but for now for what we get I am also very satisfied so I'm okay yeah yeah okay um I did have a pop-up opening because I had a quiz open but (laughs) because this is a reversal did you have a quiz prepared Oh no! I okay, know that, it's that good that I did. Absolutely right. Okay, I'm so sorry. I should have done my homework. You know what? You're fired, Claire. I'm so sorry. Um, sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, I'll go course. back to uh, the the audience, bro. Starting next. No, <laughs> no. Um, I actually think you did such a good job. I was kind of floored whenever you did the description. Really? I was like, wow, she really like thought this through. She worked harder than <laughs> this. I could see the passion. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, I guess for the quiz, I can still introduce the quiz because you, like, you found the quiz. We could, we could play it as if you found the quiz. <laughs> no, it's okay. I didn't okay. do it. I didn't find it. That's fine. <laughs> so um, this quiz we are doing is called the cast of the Lion King Tugger. Which Lion King care to are you quiz? And now you can too. So um, should we start? Yes. All right. So which of these iconic Disney villain tunes would you want to belt out at your next karaoke night? We're prepared. (laughs) Gaston, Poor Unfortunate Souls, Hellfire, Mother Knows Best, Friends on the Other Side. We We prepared all the wait time. Sorry? We already answered this (laughs) when we talked about we prepared. Um, But just for the sake of everybody, what is your answer? 
We're prepared. How You're surprised? Okay. I'm shocked. I'm floored. <laughs> I had never expected that. Pick the grub you would most Ugh. like to munch on. Shield bug, ant, dragonfly, worms, grasshoppers, ladybug. This is a very disgusting question. Mm-hmm. Ladybug? Ah, uh, um... I'm trying to decide whether to go for the tiniest thing so it'll be quick and painless or whether to go for something that is most established. I've seen in a grocery stores grasshoppers being sold for consumption. I think it's because they're health food or protein, whatever, and they're supposed to be gourmet. Um, So I guess I'll go with that. (laughs) Okay. Which adjective would your closest friend use to describe you? Adventurous, creative, funny, determined, loyal, intelligent. I have no idea. What do you think? Uh, about you? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're in like a lot of these. So I'm trying to decide which one is most. I would say intelligent. Oh, thank you. I'm gonna I, I was actually going to pick intelligent for you as well oh thank you okay I guess I'll pick that then <laughs> or determined um, I think you're you're definitely one of those yeah I was really debating between like intelligent and loyal you're definitely determined as well but these two were like the highest <laughs> for me um which character from the original film would you most like to have as your partner in crime Shanzi, Timon, Nala, Pumbaa, Zazu, Rafiki Rafiki because he's so smart and he's but he's very chaotic yeah that's the best thing about partner in crime really okay i feel like oh wouldn't you want your partner in crime to be predictable and do the job well Hmm. i guess we just see it differently but who do you uh who i would go with rafiki as well just because he's also the most intelligent but if i could combine somehow rafiki and zazu i think that will be the best because rafiki is a bit too unpredictable for me okay okay um, when someone you love is in trouble, you hurry up to help them, assess the situation first, call someone else for help, run away, wait for them to ask you for help, love, who, what, bye. <laughs> I would um, assess the situation first. Probably hurry in to help them. Um, which of the following locations would you most like to go on vacation? A beautiful lake, an open range, a buzzing city, an African safari, a mountain view, a babbling brook. Hmm. A mountain view, probably. A buzzing city. Which quote from the original film speaks to you the most? Hakuna Matata, how original. Remember who you are. I love in the face of danger. Oh yes, the past can hurt. I'm surrounded by idiots. We are all connected. The past can hurt. I would say remember who you are. And finally, for no particular reason at all, pick a Beyonce music video. Crazy in love, partition, single ladies, formation, drunken love, run the world. Single ladies? Yeah, I gotta go with single ladies. What did you get? I got Mufasa. Oh, which I was so happy. Wait, what did you get? You want to read the blurb? Or, okay. okay, I got Simba. <laughs> okay, okay. 
Um, you're a king through and through. You're humble, hardworking, and unafraid to stick up for your loved ones. You're just the absolute coolest. Congratulations. Okay. Ooh, that's、um, fitting. I can see you as Mufasa <laughs> for sure. Uh, I got Simba. You're a natural-born leader who people look up to, though you can be a little bit selfish at times. Still, when the moment calls for it, you'll always do what is right over what is easy. All、that's、right. Pretty, okay, that's good. Um. Okay. I guess we、so、can、I、go guess... into our final rating. Yeah, we can. Do you want to do a drum roll, or you you can say drum roll, please? Okay. <laughs> drum roll, please. You can go ahead. Oh, okay.、Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten grubs. Okay. I'm gonna give it ten out of ten hyenas. Okay. Okay. That's nice. All right. So that's our episode on Lion King. Original Becky taking over、uh, <laughs> to do the final part. If you want to discuss this episode with us, any previous episode we covered, or if you want to give us recommendations, you can contact us on our social media, which are Instagram, they are Twitter, which I never use, and they are Reddit, and it's Podway Podcast. If you're not a social media person, you can contact us via our email at podwaypodcast@gmail.com. All right, that is all. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.